0: Beautiful people, this is Gary Horn, and this is, this is the NWA. It's a podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time, talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. And today, I am not alone. It's the big debate. We're here. Uh, I am joined by Robert Stinson, uh, academic, educator, assistant principal, a uh, huge NWA fan. Robert, am I, am I missing anything on you? Ah, oh, man, uh, you gave me, that's too much. <laughs> too much <laughs> and, <man. laughs> and we're also joined by our special guest. Uh, he is uh, the, he's a contributor to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is why he's here. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But he's also a former WWE magazine editor. He's also the author of Pro Wrestling FAQ and the upcoming biography on The Sheik blood and fire, it's Mr. Brian Solomon. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having me. And hello, wrestling fans. Guys, I guess uh, we'll we'll start off and uh, loosen up here a little bit. We'll we'll talk about how this came about. So I I can give you my perspective. And and if anybody would like to jump in, feel free. But uh, I was on Twitter one day, I believe it was like the 2nd of April. And uh, the... PWI, and you know, I, I should have traced this back, and this is not this is me not doing my due diligence, but I should have looked back as to why they announced this. But for some reason, the official PWI Twitter account announced that okay, we recognize the following titles as world championships, and it was WWE, it was AEW, it was New Japan Pro Wrestling. I believe him. I, I can't remember if I'm missing anybody there. Yeah. Again, I should have had the, the tweet. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So the two WWE titles and yeah. Okay. New Japan and, and AEW. So that, I don't know if whoever was actually tweeting that out planned on this, but it caused quite the stir in the uh, Twitter wrestling community and uh, a lot of uproar, uh, some for me uh, because of of uh, this guy, the NWA. And uh and and some people, I mean to fair is fair. There were there were arguments for Impact. There were arguments for uh Ring of Honor and, and other uh companies, but that's the gist of it. We got into a discussion and, and Brian and I happen to know each other from uh his uh past he's he's done a little bit with the uh Psychotronic Film Society, my other podcast. But since he happens, happens to work with Pro Wrestling Illustrated, uh, we got into a conversation about this and decided to have a discussion about this. Like, why is Pro Wrestling Illustrated, why are they being such buttheads? <laughs> or just why are they not including the National Wrestling <laughs> in the World Championship? Uh, Brian, I guess I'll throw to you, is that is that your recollection? Did I summarize that pretty well?
1: Well, except for the butthead's part,
0: Gary, I would say uh, yeah, it's pretty
1: accurate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, I
0: actually called you called anybody that. <laughs> no, uh, but I I have a little
1: background on that if you want on like Sure. like how that got and why and all that. So first of all, and I I just want to say a, a few things about what PWI is because I think sometimes. With, with newer fans or younger fans or fans that are strictly internet wrestling fans, right? The phenomenon of wrestling magazines sometimes is not as something that they're as well versed on. But to a lot of fans, Pro Wrestling Illustrated is, you know, kind of like the arbiter, the independent arbiter of, of wrestling. You know, they're, they've been for 40 years the most respected. I mean, now they're kind of the only, the most respected Uh, independent, meaning like not published by any one wrestling company, independent wrestling magazine out there. And they're the last survivor. And they've done that partly because, you know, they're respected within the industry. They sort of, they're they're published by a group that's been around since the 50s and 60s, even publishing wrestling magazines. So they've been around a while. And um, I can tell you, for example, like their attitude towards this is, you know, I spoke to the editors because I'm not You know, I don't 100% speak for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, right? I'm a contributor. I have my own thoughts and opinions. I don't always agree with what they're doing. But I kind of touch base with them to see what their perspective on this is. And, you know, one of the reasons that got posted was there recently was a changing of the guard there. I don't know if you know, but the longtime, it's actually in the process now, the longtime publisher and editor-in-chief, Stu Sachs, is retiring and Kevin McIlvaney is taking over. And so that was, it, it's kind of part of the process of him like sort of like putting his footprint out there and, 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 and staking his voice as the, you know, the person in charge of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. He had no idea, Kevin had no idea that it was gonna cause that kind of a, of a furor at all. And I think it partly comes from this. So this is kind of an old school idea. And I don't want to say old fashioned but it's old school and I think on a for a lot of newer fans it might be lost you know there, in in the world of boxing there was a magazine still around I think called the Ring Magazine right and they had this a similar role to PWI they were like the independent arbiter to cut through all the BS that all the stuff promoters would be pushing on fans cuz promoters always like to shape the truth right and the Ring would be the one that would decide and so Ring considered it their job to say, okay, forget what the promoters are telling you because they're trying to sell tickets. And, you know, these are what we consider the actual, you know, legit top titles in the sport of boxing. And so Pro Wrestling Illustrated came from that mindset back in the day of trying to clear up the title picture and trying to say, all right, every promotion in the world is going to say our champion is the world champion, but who are the ones that are the closest to truly representing the top of the industry, the best of the best. And it's always been something they've done as almost like a service to fans. That's really kind of the way they look at it. But I think that there's a newer breed of fan that doesn't really care so much about kind of like clearing up the title picture and determining like who are the most legit world champions. Like, in fact, I think a lot of younger fans prefer having as many world champions as possible. Whereas in the old days, Fans would long for the time when there would be only one true world champion at the top of the sport. And that point of view may not be as popular as it used to be, not to, not to denigrate any other titles because they just had a great article about Tessa Blanchard and what she's done in Impact, but just to say, yes, these are great accomplishments. These are talented wrestlers. These are important titles, but they don't make our cut for, for the top titles in the business and I I hope I'm doing them justice when I say that.
0: Yeah, I I think that um, everything you're saying actually to me makes a lot of sense as far as what they're considering their role to be. I think the big thing that we come to here is that we're not just talking about um, any other promotion that is uh, announcing their world's heavyweight champion. This is the National Wrestling Alliance, and By all accounts and i mean i'm sure you you know this but uh one of the oldest uh promotions or you know uh, i i always say entities at the intro just because it's kind of hard to explain like what the nwa was exactly originally now it is a, a a promotion but um so it just feels a little bit different than say just you know Joe Schmo out in Iowa who's got a wrestling promotion trying to get their world champion recognized as the world champion you know what I mean yes
1: it's ironic you say that because the NWA was founded in Iowa
0: well (laughs) maybe that was in uh, that was a (laughs) subliminal thing there
1: (laughs) and and I think I should say to with regard to what you're saying is that And they they told me, I checked with them, and they're like, you can go on and, and, you know, give your opinions too. And and my honest and true opinion, and I told Kevin this too when we spoke, is that I do think, I do think that the NWA title should be recognized in PWI as a world heavyweight title. Um, I'm really well-versed in the history. I wrote that book you mentioned, Pro Wrestling FAQ, did a ton of research on the history of the NWA. I mean, historically speaking, it's the most prestigious title in the business, no question about it. PWI's relationship with the NWA title is, and, and probably a lot of fans don't even know this, they haven't, with the exception of when it was defended in TNA as their title, right? They haven't recognized the NWA title as a world heavyweight title since they split from WCW in the early 90s. Like, so all through the Dan Severn years, all through, you know, the blue demon years out in California and all that. So this is not like just – it's not them just dropping the gauntlet now and saying, oh, this – you know, we don't like NWA power or anything. It's just they haven't the, – the only time they recognized it was when it was in TNA, and that was because it was being defended on on a stage that where it was being seen by so many people – as, as basically the number two title in the business behind WWE's title at the time. So uh, it, they have four that they recognize now, like you said, the two in WWE. Uh, the two in WWE, the AEW and uh, all Japan. I mean, sorry, the New Japan uh, IWGP title. That's actually the, the most world titles that they've ever recognized in their 40 year history because there's four because they've tried to keep it as streamlined as possible. I think Now, I think based on the history of the NWA and the prestige and based on the fact that they're now being seen on YouTube and the, and the audience and the buzz for the NWA is bigger than it's been in like 25 years, I think that's reason enough personally. But th- their attitude is that even with the buzz that it's got, the NWA title is still not profile among the average wrestling fan as the other titles that they recognize do. So, you know, I, I, I disagree a little bit. I think it should
0: be in there and I have my reasons, but they have theirs. It's not really much of a debate if
2: you disagree with us, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: Robert, did you do you want to jump in there?
2: Sure. Uh I I I grew up with PWI. I'm from, you know, Georgia. And uh, when I was growing up in the eighties we had Crockett promotions. We we saw the WWF maybe for an hour on uh on Sundays. Um everything I learned about wrestling outside of Crockett country and NWA country came through PWI. I remember growing up, they recognized four championships. It was the WWF title, the NWA title, the AWA title, and the world wrestling council. I remember Carlos Colon holding that title for so many years. And then uh, something huge happened. It was about the time that Stan Hansen ended his run as uh, the AWA champion. Um, The, PWI stripped AWA of a, of its world title status. And that was a big deal. I'd never seen that happen. I mean, for years and years from 1977 to 78, all the way up to 86, 87, I've been reading PWI spend my allowance on it. And I just, you know, it, it seemed weird to me that AWA wasn't a, a world champion, but the rationale made sense. They had, they'd gotten a, uh, an ESPN contract for a while. They were airing content and shows on there and then all that stopped. And then of course, Larry Zabisco, I think he was the champion when, when uh, AWA lost its status, uh, it just wasn't being pushed and it didn't have that credibility anymore. And so for, for many years, the NWA, I think after the split with WCW probably was in that boat too, where, you know, it's, it, it was used as a gimmick. Uh, it was used as a gimmick in the WWF. Um, they, they made some comebacks that never really gained traction, didn't have the same feel. But I think it's different today when um, um, it's different today especially when you're if the criteria for being recognized as a world champion is the quality is your, your viewership, your quality of your talent and the stage that you're on. Uh, AEW is uh, given a, uh, is given world title status for every reason that NWA should be. They've got, we, you've got the viewership. Of course, now we're not owned by a, a multi-billionaire, but we've got sound financial footing and we've got a large viewership and the quality of uh of talent involved in the nwa i think ranks right up there with the wwe and aew um and if we're talking about what casual fans um and the the readership of pw i think most casual fans you've got a lot of like intelligent fans that study it that will know new japan but at least here in the states most of your fans aren't, aren't really familiar with new japan uh per se um so uh, not not to denigrate New Japan. I love New Japan. I think they're absolutely right to recognize that championship. But by all the criteria criteria that were just mentioned, I mean, NWA meets every single one of those and, and even more in some cases.
1: Well, I, I think, uh, Gary, I didn't want to interrupt you if you were going to. No, no, on. no. You go ahead. You go ahead. So j- just to show sometimes how strict they've been over the years. So this is not like some anti-NWA thing long time readers of PWI, and I mean really long time, and even before PWI when, when their magazines were The Wrestler and Inside Wrestling, right? Those are the magazines from that company that predate PWI that were like recognizing the world titles. There was a period in, I wanna say late 70s, early 80s where they stopped recognizing the WWF title as a world title. This was kind of during the era of definitely Backland And it might've even been Bruno's second reign and superstar Graham. They weren't even recognizing that one. And look, the landscape of the business was really different back then. So the way it was territories, as you know, so the way they were looking at it was the NWA title. This is back then that title transcends territorial boundaries. They're going to all different parts of the country and the world. They're going to all different companies. They're going to the WWF even and defending it there, but the WWF, the WWF title, from their point of view, was only being defended in the Northeastern United States. Now, that wasn't always the case because they used to actually go to, in the 60s, they were going to Japan and out to California a lot lot more often. By the time you get to the Backland era, it was much more confined in the Northeast in that really tight territory. And by the standards of that era of pro wrestling, they were like, this is not a world title because unless you live in the Northeastern United States, you're not even seeing this on television, which pretty true so I mean they're they're kind of strict about it and here's the thing with the NWA title right now now it's got the history it's got the legacy it's got the importance to the business over the past 70 years now right but and this is something like it doesn't give me pleasure to say this and I don't want to like turn heel or anything or have people like ripping me apart but I also you know I, I try to have the perspective of the average Person, casual viewer who watches Monday Night Raw, who watches SmackDown, right? Who maybe watches AEW, but let's just even stick with the WWF, WWE argument. I would wager there's a, if you get outside of the bubble, right, of wrestling fandom, there's a large percentage of those people who have no awareness that the NWA is even back. And I know this is terrible, but it's true. They may not even know what it is. Because of their age and how long they've been, you know, if you, if you if you're 25 years old and you've been watching wrestling since the Attitude Era, right. you may not have even heard of the NWA. And so I think that's part of the thinking that goes into decisions like this.
2: So think- when you have a when you have a, a a publication like PWI, I don't think you have you don't think you let the casual observation be a determinative factor. I mean, because uh, let's be honest. Your casual viewer in the in the WWF has no clue what New Japan's about. They have no clue, you know. So uh, I would say more of them probably are aware of the NWA than New Japan. You know, I I don't know that to be a fact. That's just anecdotal, just in my crowd of people that I associate with. But if we're talking about, you know, if if we're saying that to be a world title you have to have, and and maybe the criteria that the PWI uh, establishes is different, but to say that you have to have the quality. Of talent, uh, NW has it. You have to have a a historical pedigree. AEW does not meet that because they really, literally, are just upstart. They've got money and they've got some big names, but they, you know, the, I don't know that they've defended the title globally yet uh perhaps they have title has no history either it just literally
1: came out of thin air
0: that's actually where i wanted to what i was going to go with too robert was uh just that exact same thing just it's interesting that it it tends to uh, if it's public perception i mean i don't know that anybody outside of the wrestling bubble this is arguable new japan was obviously the good example but aew it feels like well maybe they don't even know the difference between wwe and aew Uh, a lot of the people most of the people maybe um, that aren't in the wrestling bubble. The, the other thing that, that you just brought up, though, is, yeah, the, even the global aspect of it, the World Heavyweight Championship. Nick Aldis has done the Aldis crusade. The man's gone all over the world and defended yeah. the NWA championship. In he AEW. was about to be
2: in Puerto Rico. You know, he was in England. He, he has met the global criteria. He's just defended it on a, on a cross-promotional stage and an international stage. And, and, and I think then, only the WWE belt championships have, have met those criteria you know, yeah. than the NWAs. I yeah. Think. And I think that, that's why I think too, that strides
1: have definitely been made in the past couple of years. The, you know, the whole all in thing with, with that was a very high profile defense of the NWA title where Cody won the belt. And I mean, that, that was probably the, I would say probably the largest audience in America that had seen an NWA title match probably since, you know, I don't know, Ric Flair was the champion, honestly. Yeah. So so that was a big deal. Definitely. That was a really big deal. Again, to go back to the the whole Ring Magazine analogy that I made, right? So there was a time, and I keep talking about boxing because it's in my family too. My, my grandfather was a fighter and I, I know a lot about boxing, but There was a time when you could walk down the street and walk up to the average person and say, who's the heavyweight champion of the world? And they would tell you, anyone would know. Even if you didn't watch boxing, you would just know, oh, it's Rocky Marciano, Muhammad Ali, it's it's Joe Frazier, it's Joe Lewis, right? They would just know. And that kind of thing was important. In the recognition. And so because PWI is, and again, I can't really speak to their specific criteria. I just don't, I don't feel qualified to do that, the very specific criteria, but I know like that's where their point of view comes from. It's like really deciding who is the, the who are the champs or the champ that, that embodies professional wrestling to most people, or, or not even just the champion, but the title that embodies it to most people. And once upon a time, that absolutely was the NWA. There wasn't even another title that would come come close. I mean, the, the World Wrestling Federation was at one time a member of the NWA. I mean, they recognized the NWA world title as above their own title. Um, it's just not the, the way the business is anymore though. That's the problem.
0: It's one of the interesting things to me is that I always tell people one of the coolest parts about the NWA title is like, you could almost, uh, in a sense trace every other title that's out there now back to the NWA. So it's like, it all stems from that belt that, that all this carries pretty much, you know, and, a, I I mean, you, you know, you get the idea, but, uh, yeah. it it really stinks to to me just one of the parts that that I don't like is that it's like oh just because these companies are backed by billionaires you know (laughs) like it's like NWA doesn't have the publicity but AEW is able to just come in and uh just drop themselves right in the middle of things and because they have the financial backing to just promote themselves on every channel and every commercial for any sporting event then now they're legitimate, whereas the NWA title's been, you know, surviving uh, even barely on life support at times. But it's it's been around since forty eight. You know, it's just uh,
2: right. It's, and, and when the NWA was founded um, in in forty eight, you know, it was it was not it, it was it was a reactionary founding. It, it, the NWA was founded to recognize a championship that already existed. So you could make the argument that the title goes back to 1905. It is most definitely the wellspring of every world champion that we have, a ship that we have today. And you're absolutely right, Gary. I mean, the only argument, the AEW, don't get me wrong. I like the AEW. I like Chris Jericho. I, I like John Moxley. I think they're, they put out a great product, but the only argument they have for being a world championship caliber promotion is it's got billion, billions of dollars. That's it. It's backed by billionaires. Um, and you know, I think we can make, and hopefully, we'll have time here to make kind of an analytic case for the le- legitimacy of the NWA and the reign of Nick Aldis in particular. But uh, uh, you know, there's not a criteria that that I uh, the AEW can cross off that NWA can't cross off better than than either AEW or New Japan. I would argue. And the, the irony of it is, like
1: you alluded to, is the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance was partly formed one of the reasons it was formed was to clear up the title picture because it came from a time when there were like five or six different you know major world titles in in the business if if you look at the the especially the 1930s it's a complete mess you know the new york state athletic commission was recognizing their own world champion in wrestling okay you had um the, the original NWA, which is the National Wrestling Association, which was part of the National Boxing Association, which was not really a company, but like a governing body, they had a world champion, right? You had the original title with the title of Gotch. You had, uh, God, there, there, there were there were a few other. Oh, there was the original AWA world title, the original American Wrestling Association out of Boston, Paul Bowser promoter. They had their world title. And it was kind of like this this way of... We want to, because a lot of these wrestling promoters, they had that boxing mentality too, which is we want to um, legitimize the world title because we figure it's a better draw if people don't see a million different world champions running around. So they were trying to do that very much and and create one unified title. And the way they would do it was the champion would not just be the champion of one wrestling company, right? They'd be the champion of all of wrestling and they'd go to all the different towns, All the different promoters would use that champion. And what they did with Thez, because he was like the first big standard bearer, Lou Thez was that he'd go around unifying the title, right? To settle all disputes. That's the way the business was back then. They really were, I mean, their main concern was making money, but I mean, they were very serious about simplifying the title picture and making it easier for fans to understand who the real champions are. That was the attitude back then. And like you said, all the other major world titles came out of it. The AWA title branched off from it. The WWF title branched off from it. I mean, uh, you know, even um, you could even make an argument that that the ECW title was a branch off of because it was kind of a branch off of what was happening with the WWE at the time or the WWF. So. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm trying to give a little bit of the historical background. I hope I'm not rambling too much. But, you know, it, it just was a it was that was the attitude of the business at the time. And I don't know if if it's so much the attitude today, because I remember a few years ago when WWE was doing their big unification match. If you remember where they had the, you know, the world heavyweight title and they had the WWE heavyweight title and they had the big unification. There were a lot of fans that were pissed about that because they liked having two world titles in WWE. They liked having more world title matches. And for me as an older fan, I, that was the most alien idea in the world to me because I want as few world champions as possible because it makes the titles seem more important. You know, so I think that's, that's their attitude.
0: I think part of the fun WWE. of this Yeah. I, and, and it doesn't have to be some like heated debate. I mean, part of this, and you're not rambling at all. I I think that what I wanted to do is I thought that this would bring some perspective. I've always been interested in the history of everything. So no matter what I expected, this conversation to get kind of historical to kind of talk about where the NWA comes from and and that sort of thing. So I thought it would be pretty beneficial. Um, But let's, let's talk about the champ now, Uh, Robert, you mentioned the, the, the analytical side of things i mean and and to throw it to pwi uh, i believe nick aldis was ranked number eight overall in the last rankings in uh pwi and um so he's in the top 10 here i think ron Strowman was right before him and ron Strowman is currently one of the world champions that are recognized and i just think that's kind of funny to me but uh uh, what what were you going with, uh, Robert, just to uh, give you a chance? And,
2: and I, again, I'm an educator, and, and uh, uh, so assessment is important to me. This argument's not going to make sense uh, outside of a lot of these circles, but it, you, you two will, will understand, I'm sure. Um, when you ask a teacher, no teacher will say, I love standardized testing. I love the end-of-course test. Most of us think that it's not fair that uh, an entire – Students' years worth of progress and work is measured by one test. He might have a bad day that day, but they will also tell you that it's the best metric that we have for judging the worth of a school and if teachers are doing their job. So I don't, you know, I don't really. I mean, the best metric that we have out there. It's not perfect, but the best, the best metric, in my estimation, and I'm teachable on this, is the PWI 500 that comes out. And you know, I buy my, I, be, I buy my Pro Wrestling Illustrated faithfully every month. I go to Walmart, I get it. I look in the back, uh, it was just a few months ago, NWA wasn't even listed among the titles. It is now. It has been for the last few issues uh, as one of the titles. It's not one of the major titles listed at the, at the bottom of the PWI official ratings. But that PWI 500 issue is very important because if you look in those top 50, you kind of get an estimation of who are the real elite wrestlers out there. And I think um, just to, to build on the argument a little bit, when you're looking at the a, a world Championship caliber claim like the NWA is making and ought to make, you build that around three or four different points. One, the historical legitimacy of the company, which NWA obviously has. You have to uh, take into effect the, the, the style points, the it factor that its champion carries, and certainly Nick Alvis does that. And then, sort of what Mr. Solomon is talking about, when, when, a, when a, a, the history of the promotion, when it's taken um, a direction that calls its legitimacy into you know, question then you have to look at other factors to bring that title back and, and those factors I think are the the credibility of the person holding the title just as a as a wrestler and then the credibility of his reign and if you look in the last couple of uh, 500 ratings you know he's been in the top 50 to me there's lots of variability in that top 50 in the in the PWI 500 you know Kenny Omega might be number 1 in this rating and then he might fall down to number 8 in this one Seth Rollins might be number 1 I think I think they I haven't seen the rating, but I think Jericho is going to be number two in the next one that's coming out. Uh, he's not even in the 500, and that's because he was inactive. I get that. But the point is, in that top 50, Nick Aldis is right in there as being one of the elite. He was number 42 in the, in the 2019 uh, uh, count. Then you look at his, just the legitimacy of him as a wrestler to elevate NWA brand. Not that Tim Storm didn't do that; he did a great job of doing that. But Nick, you know, Nick Aldis has beaten everybody who's anybody. He's beaten all the marquee players. He's beaten AJ Styles. I think he is one of only two men to make Sting submit. He's beaten Kurt Angle. He's beaten Bobby Roode. He's beaten every name prior to his world championship reign to establish himself as a legitimate main eventer. And then you look at his reign, and you know, you, he's got, he's got. Marquis wins against Cody Rhodes he did lose it to Cody Rhodes but he beat Cody Rhodes he's beaten Marty Skrull he's beaten James Storm he's beaten um um shoot everybody man he's beaten Flip Gordon he's beaten uh everybody you know I always see it, it amuses me on Twitter who's Nick Aldis beating I'm like well he's beating everybody he's had to you know but when you when you factor in all those different factors uh, those different points you know analytically the case has to be that Nick Aldis is uh, is a legitimate world championship caliber title holder and his reign elevates a brand as he's, it's resuscitated a brand that for many years was wandering out there in the wilderness, you know, and, and PWI is a, is a great publication. It would be to its credit to give it that recognition that it has, has, has earned again. I think Nick
1: Aldis has done more as a champion to elevate that title than any champion since I mean since Dan Severn and maybe even since Ric Flair, honestly. Like in terms of like carrying it and defending it and just looking like a champion and putting it on the on the map again. And this is nothing against the other people that have held the title in the last twenty five, thirty years. Here's where I think what I think one of the issues with PWI and the NWA title over the years, it also stems from something that has to, that goes back to the 80s, which is that, you know, in that time period, in the 80s, Jim Crockett, with Jim Crockett Promotions, worked very hard to basically, I don't know if it would be too far as to say it, to almost erase the history of the NWA and make it appear as if Jim Crockett Promotions and the NWA were the same thing. And I think that that caused some harm because I think you have a whole generation of wrestling fans that grew up just thinking that the NWA is only Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, basically, and that it was no- nothing beyond that. And uh, because that that was something that I think was, it was a response to the WWF branding themselves so well. And a lot of promoters thought, well, we got to start using letters because everybody's using letters now, right? So So Crockett made it this thing where it's like, this is the NWA. The NWA is, you know, Ric Flair, Magnum TA, the Four Horsemen. It, it, it's, it's the Midnight Express. And, the, you know, whereas the NWA, Crack Promotions was only one member of the NWA, but they were by that point, the most high profile member by far, right? By the mid 80s, the territories were in shambles and they were kind of like holding the NWA up. But I think because of that, what happened was Pro Wrestling Illustrated and this is as someone who was reading it back then, I think they sort of fell in line with that idea where, meaning that Crockett Promotions is the NWA. And so therefore what happened was when, when it became WCW, right? It's WCW slash NWA. And they would even talk about it that way a lot in the magazine NWA slash WCW, right? So that when the two entities parted ways, right? I think it's 1993 or 94, it was almost like because they had put so much momentum in G- JCP and WCW being the NWA, that the actual NWA was kind of forgotten. And WCW was treated as continuing the line of the NWA. And so the WCW world title was treated by PWI as if it was continuing the NWA world title line. That's the way that they chose to do it, right? Right. Whereas the NWA was still out there in the wilderness in the nineties going like, Hey, we're still here. We have Dan Severn. We have, well, you know, we have our own champion. It's not the same thing as WCW, but they had already moved on. And a lot of the perception of the wrestling fan base went with them at the time that WCW is the continuing legacy of the NWA. And so when WCW died, then the NWA was, was as far out of, fans mind as possible right. it's
0: almost it's almost a uh great analogy to like it's uh it's the old and new testament of the nwa and rick <laughs> flair is like right there in the middle and split the time in half i uh that's probably some people will probably hate that but <laughs> the uh, i like it i like it. <laughs> but um i i did want to mention just uh so we could get it in here um i asked a, a friend of the show um who happens to also be the nwa world's heavyweight champion nick aldis uh, what he thought of this discussion i told him that um we were good, we were going to be talking about this today and uh I, you know and i said it to him as not that you need me to help you legitimize yourself sir but <laughs> we are going to be having this talk what would you say if somebody was questioning that and this was his response he says it's the real lineal heavyweight championship the true main event of All In, which was the precursor to AEW. It's been defended on four different continents in the past two years. Several of the challengers have since gone on to sign with WWE, AEW, NJPW. It set an all-time box office record for wrestling at the Nashville Fairgrounds, and I've been endorsed by Dory Funk Jr., Harley Race, Jim Ross, Kevin Sullivan, Mark Henry, just to name a few of the reasons. So that was the... uh, answer i got back from nick
2: and that summarizes the whole analytical thing i mean it, it, it cuts through all the bull crap. i mean the point is he's a credible world champion a credible main eventer uh, i think you know one of the things that the nwa is trying to do deliberately is to build up that idea of the of the the prize fight he is a big time prize fighter just with the banners you've seen those you know in, in at the crockett cup and everything um but he's beating everybody. He's beating everybody on a global scale. He's selling out arenas. To me, I, I don't – I think you know, maybe you're, you know, your nine and ten-year-olds out there who are just watching Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, they might not know. But your, your wrestling fans know who Nick Aldis in the NWA is, more so than New Japan, you know. And uh, so, Nick, you know, you, I, who am I to, <laughs> to try to improve upon what Nick Aldis said? He said it perfectly. He's the real world's champion.
1: And, you know, linearly speaking, I think that's the strongest argument because it does have that history. There's no denying it. I mean, you'll even have people out there that will, that will fight you on that. And they'll say, well, it's not the same NWA. It's not the same thing. You know, the NWA was not a company. It was, it was a governing body. It was like a, it was like a coalition of, of all different wrestling companies. So it's, you know, it's not really the same thing. And and I sort of get that point of view, but I mean, it, it, linearly speaking you can trace this title back there's no question about it and if you wanted to I think Robert I think you were saying this before you could even trace it back further than 1948 because that's what the that's what they loved doing like Sam Muchnick and the original NWA promoters they were all about trying to tie it back to Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt even though it's a little kind of like it gets a little twisty and turny in the 20s and 30s and you can if you want to, and I have gone back and done it. Like, you can look and see, okay, does this really fit who beat who and who beat who and who beat who? You can do it at least back to – you can't really do it to Frank Gotch because Frank Gotch retired as champion. He never lost to anybody. He, he, he gave up the belt when he retired. And, that, and, and, and there were a couple of years where there was no champion. And then in 1913, I think it was 1913 or, or 15, there was another champion crown, Joe Stecker, who was like considered the heir apparent to the throne. You can tie the NWA title definitely back to Joe Stecker in terms of like winners and losers. Gotch, it's a little trickier. But I mean, that's that's splitting hairs. The, you, you, the title definitely has the richest history. The NWA title has the richest history and almost every other title comes out of it. You can even argue the AEW title in a weird way comes out of it because of All In and because of the Cody connection, right? I mean, that's a shaky connection too, but it's got the history, but I just don't know for, with Pro Wrestling Illustrated
2: and with a lot of people, I don't know if the history is enough. That's the thing. So let me ask you this, Solomon, uh, and, and I know you speak for yourself here, but what will it take then? Because I think for the last two years, NWA has done everything required of it, everything asked, and more. It underpromises, overdelivers, and it's delivered the, you know, the the best product on four continents, with main event caliber stars. It's doing so on a on a national and international audience through YouTube. Yeah, it's not on network TV, but but it's YouTube. It's got huge viewership what, what is it going to take? At what point does PWI say, you know what, this is not the same as ring of honor. This is not the same as, as you know, impact. This is a world title being defended by a quality world champion on a global stage. And we ought to return the status as a world's championship. What, what, what will it take?
0: And if I could real quick, Brian, uh, jump in here. One thing that that's interesting uh, to me too, is that, uh, I get for popularity's sake, like, uh, perspective uh like just who who can see these companies yes nwa doesn't have as much visibility as aew or wwe but one of the interesting things when you go to an nwa show or you see some of the popularity that it has are these people are coming out of the woodwork that haven't watched wrestling in forever so between the time that wwe and wcw you know went under and wwe took them in uh, a lot of people just fell off the map and it's like the NWA, some of the, the fandom, a lot of the fandom are these people. And I bring that up to say, while I could see the issue with popularity for like Pro Wrestling illustrators, like, well, we should focus in on these bigger companies. The other thing is, it's like the kind of people that love the NWA are, well, with respect, the kind of people that would probably still buy a magazine. And so <laughs> it's just... It's interesting to me that it's like, you'd think that there'd be a little, a little love there, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, And
1: uh, um, that's true. I can't deny that. There is a demographic issue there, but I think, uh, so to to what you were saying, Robert, about what it would take, I think in my own opinion, again, this is my own opinion. I feel like I should run a disclaimer (laughs) on your opinions are not necessarily those of, from wrestling I'll
0: see if I can do so that in
1: this is editing. Is, <laughs> this is my – because I enjoy contributing and I want to be able to keep contributing. But here's my, my personal opinion on what it would take. So in the old days, like we were talking about when the magazine was newer and was just starting out, and the, the idea back then was, um, you know, where is it being defended, right? What's the – how far is it? Is it just the champion? Are you just the champion of a wrestling company or are you actually defending it far and wide? And the NWA title met those criteria. Now, they've had to sort of change that point of view a little bit because of the way the business has changed, whereas now, unfortunately, with most wrestling companies, you're the champion of the wrestling company. So they kind of have to change it a little bit. So I think the one thing the NWA is missing, because they have a great champion, they've got great talent, they've got history, they've got the guy going all over the world, no question. I think the one thing that they would need is to be on TV. And I mean like actual TV. Now, I know that, it, look, even that's changing. Technology's changing, the way people consume media is changing, right? So that, that whole curve is is turning and you know, you're getting a younger audience that doesn't even watch TV anymore, right? They're mainly watching streaming stuff and YouTube and all that. But I think from PWI's point of view, that would probably be the thing that would turn it around. If if they were able to parlay the YouTube show into an actual um, show on cable TV or whatever that was seen, you know, through markets across America, I think that would do it. That would so do what it. Channel, That's but... what did it for Ring of Honor. That, that's what did it for Ring of Honor. And I don't even think they don't. I don't know if they they don't still recognize the Ring of Honor they, title. They
0: didn't mention it in the tweet at
1: least. That's right. But they used to. They used to. And what that
0: do you think I, we find New Japan
1: on. And. That <laughs> Well, I th- <laughs> okay. So I think that the whole thing with New Japan is they're trying to think not just from an American point of view. So because it is seen nationally in Japan, and it is seen in other markets. It, I mean, they were on Access TV for a long time there until it, Impact kicked them off. They were being seen on cable TV in the United States, it may not have been a major cable channel, but it, but they it were being seen. So I think, but I think, and I could be totally wrong about this. And if I am Kevin, I'm sorry, but I do think that the Ring of Honor title was at one time recognized. And I think the TV thing was what made the difference. And it, I know that definitely is what made the difference with TNA Impact for sure. Um, and one of the reasons that they don't recognize the TNA title anymore is because they're at the point now where that title is only defended like, on a TV taping, like, once every whatever the hell it is, like, month or two months. So they were sort of saying, like, what kind of a title is that if you're only, you know, you're hardly, it's hardly being defended anymore. So, But I think the TV thing is a difference maker.
0: It's funny to me, too, just to think about that, like, uh, companies like AEW and WWE even, uh, they're defending the titles within their company. And the NWA will send Nick Aldis wherever you're willing to pay for the champ you know, like he'll, he'll go there. He's not obligated to just wrestle in Atlanta. You know, he can, he can jump up currently, you know, barring the circumstances. He was in a feud with Marty Scurll of ring of honor, you know? So there's, there's that kind of interesting thing too. Um, so I'm interested in the future, how that will play out, you know, when given Marty's relationship with the folks in AEW and, uh, and Nick's pass with those people. What if, what if that all spreads out? But anyway, that's off on a whole other tangent, I guess. But.
2: Well. And I don't want you to think either that New ja- I don't think New Japan is a, is a credible, legitimate world championship. I do. I believe they have the, some of the finest in the world there. I just think the criteria is a little arbitrary when it comes to the NWA. It's like the standards aren't the same. Uh, that they hold out for for this particular brand. And I don't know. Maybe you alluded, uh, Brian, to hard feelings earlier from from back during the Crockett days, but it seems I, to it's me, not necessarily yeah. hard feelings. I, I I don't want to make
1: it seem like I'm saying there was hard feelings. I just think there was a, there was a little bit of confusion that went on, and I think Crockett Promotions tried to benefit from that confusion, like they wanted to be known strictly as the NWA, and I think PWI maybe got a little caught up in that in thinking too much that the NWA only was Crockett WCW and nothing else. That's all.
0: Uh, so, well, yeah, when we just write the description, we'll be like, and Brian Solomon talks trash about Stu Sachs, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I've
1: actually talked to, um, I'm good friends with David Marquez. And um, David has told me that he's also been fighting the fight and the crusade. And, He's friends with Stu as well and trying to, you know, see if Stu will or or PWI in general would would change their views on that. So, I mean, it's an it's an ongoing debate that's going on. It's not just this isn't just a new thing. It seems like because Kevin tweeted it out that all of a sudden it's become this hot issue. But it's been ongoing for years now. I mean,
0: that's which, the Internet, man. Come on. That's Twitter. Yeah, that's no, that sure.
1: But I mean, between the NWA and PWI, it, it definitely predates. Billy Corrigan's involvement, and by the way, I, I have to give him a lot of credit because, um, you know, na- the NWA now is is resembles more a wrestling company than it did in the past. But he's still allowing, and he doesn't have to do this. I'm presuming, right? I mean, he's still allowing that title to be a title that transcends and gets defended all over the place, not just the title of a wrestling company. I would personally love it if he could appear on i mean how amazing if he could appear on aew dynamite or appear on raw or something with that with that title i mean i think vince would probably sooner you know jump off the golden gate bridge than have something like that happen but i would love to see that where you get back to this idea of a traveling world champion but but even even the, the traveling that he does is is very impressive and i just think that you know Corgan deserves a lot of credit for letting that continue because it's one of the things that in the end, if the NWA does get this recognition, it'll be one of the reasons why. So
0: I think this podcast is going to be one of the reasons why I figure after we, after we hang up here, you're going to get on the phone and just be like, guys, they, they win. They win. Go ahead and recognize them. All right, I talked to Eddie
2: (laughs) Eddie Elner, man. Eddie Elner is the one you got to win over. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I pictured it in my head that it was going to be like as soon as we finished you were just going to throw on like a paperboy hat or something and run out and the uh, the offices are right outside that door over there and it's like just the, the newspaper factory like stop the presses! Boss! <laughs> boss! <laughs> the is <NWA's> back! <laughs>
1: I'm going to unbutton my shirt and there'll be an NWA t-shirt underneath.
0: (laughs) There you go. There you go. That's how we'll do it. All right. Well, I guess we're not going to get anywhere else besides where we're at right now on this, but this has been a really fun discussion guys. And uh, uh, Brian, I guess before we wrap completely, I know one of the things you're working on right now is that sheet book. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So uh, I did write pro wrestling FAQ, as you mentioned before, which is more like a general reference book what I always wanted to do was write a a biography, a wrestler biography. So I've always been fascinated by the Sheik and I mean the original Sheik, the Sheik from Detroit. And um, I could not believe that there'd never been a biography done, which is true. There's never been a biography written. I would probably consider him one of, if not the greatest drawing heels in the history of wrestling. So, I mean, you want to talk about transcending. I mean, he was a heel that could go to any territory, even though he had his own territory, he could go anywhere in the world and draw money as a main event heel. So I'm like, this guy deserves a biography. I think one of the reasons no one ever did it is because he was so secretive and he kept kayfabe so well that it's hard to find out details about his real life. I could definitely tell you that, it's very hard. Uh, But I took on the challenge. Um, ECW Press is publishing it. So a lot of your listeners probably know about them because they are, the preeminent, uh, one of the top publishers of wrestling books right now. So I'm just psyched that they agreed to take the project on, but it's going to be called Blood and Fire, the Unbelievable True Story of Wrestling's Original Chic. And the plan, although every plan has been thrown out of whack right now, but the plan has been that it was going to be published next year in 2021. So I'm hoping to still hit that mark. I mean, my work on it is, is still continuing through all this. I'm doing the research. I'm talking to all the people. And you mentioned Kevin Sullivan. He's, I talked to him. He was great. He was the hugest Sheik fan on the earth. I talked to Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer, uh, all kinds of people that knew Sheik and worked with him. Rob Van Dam, who's going to be doing the introduction to the book. So, uh, I'm excited about it and I hope that uh, people will give it a shot, even if you never heard of the Sheik, which is unthinkable, but if you never heard of him, right, this would be a great way to find out about the greatest heel in wrestling history.
0: Um, do you have any plan- idea of a uh, release on that or anything right now? Well, uh, like I was saying, I think originally I-, I would just kind of vaguely say
1: 2021 only okay. because my-, my manuscript is due in November. Okay. Now. And then it has to go through everything else, photography and pre-production and all that. But I think with everything's been kind of slowed down with what's been going on. So I'm hoping to still keep to that 2021. It may may be late in 2021, but I I don't have a specific date yet.
0: Okay. I just want to make sure we uh, nailed that down if you did. But uh, uh, Brian, uh, how, how does everybody find you? You're very insightful, very knowledgeable about wrestling. Uh, you do uh, video updates for PWI a lot too, I've noticed. And uh, so, how, how do how do people find you on the internet?
1: Well, I just started doing the video editorials for
0: PWI, and I've been contributing more and
1: more to to their stuff lately. And I'm I'm on the PWI podcast. Actually, I'm the co-host with Al Castle of that. But uh, I'm Brian R Solomon on Twitter. I am Brian Solomon, author on Instagram. Also, another good way is on Facebook. If you if you look up Pro Wrestling FAQ, that's where I put most of my wrestling-related content, too. So that would be a good place that people could go.
0: Perfect. And, Robert, you, sir?
2: I appreciate it, man. Enjoy the talk. Brian, great. Enjoyed it, man. Great debate. Great discussion. Uh, advocate for us, man. We need your voice. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm being as political as I can be here. Uh, <laughs> We'll we'll
1: see what happens, right? Yeah, that's, it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We'll we'll take it. I'll we'll take that as a win. <laughs> that's how we do things here. <laughs> uh Robert, thank you for doing this for real. I know a lot of the NWA fans know you from online and uh you and your family and your lovely question mark outfits and all that <laughs> stuff and the content you're putting out.
2: Uh but tell people where they can find you just in case. Uh I'm on Twitter at RStenson4. Uh I'm on uh I'm on uh, my YouTube channel is table talk. Uh, we do a lot of, I'm a dad. I'm most importantly, a dad. I'm a wrestling fan and a teacher, but I love being a dad. And we do a lot of the uh, table talk videos and uh, Gary Horn inspired Piper's notes, actually Jenny Horn inspired Piper's notes. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. Uh, Gary will be appearing on here in the next couple of weeks. So, Uh, fan reactions that kind of thing so just a lot of things with my kids but uh i'm trying to raise my daughters to uh to appreciate pro wrestling i I was on nwa stranger the other day and i communicated that uh my brother and i growing up it was really the (laughs) crockett promotions in the nwa and the atlanta braves that really raised my brother and all we had absentee parents had a great childhood though because of uh, the nwa and because of uh the atlanta braves and this is important to me every important lesson i learned in life as, as a youngster came from uh Came from the four horsemen, you know, so it <laughs> <laughs> turned out all right. So <laughs> <laughs> a little sentimental bias there.
0: All right. Well, um, I am at this is Gary Horn on all the social medias, and the podcast is at the NWA pod, everywhere you can find podcast stuff and social media stuff. Uh thank you guys again for doing this. If you guys like this at home, let us know. Let Brian know that we appreciate him walking into the lion's den to represent somebody that he maybe doesn't even necessarily share the full opinion with but uh we we do appreciate that and uh as always thank you so much for listening everybody